Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, Keeping It Real with Caramel, as we say 100. I have Mr. Mark on the line. How are you, Mr. Mark? I am doing great and so glad to be here with you today. Thank you. I'm so glad you took time out to be here with me today. So tell the listeners just a little bit about you. Not much because we're going to go into detail. Let them know where you're from and, you know, just a little bit about what they don't know about you. Sure. I'm based here in New York City. Been here the whole time through the pandemic. And I'll just give three basic pieces of background because I know we'll get into it. I Mm -hmm. am a CTO, a chief technology officer. So I've built lots of tech startup companies. I'm an instructor at MIT, and I'm an author of a book. And that is super awesome, you know. So tell the listeners about um, your book, just a little bit about your book and, you know, explain to them, because I know that in your book, you have leadership, career, management, and all that good stuff. So just tell them a little bit about your book. Sure. One thing I found years ago when I was hiring people is when I would ask them a question about marketing or accounting or software, whatever it was they did, they could answer it. But when I would ask them about teamwork or communications or leadership, I'd get blank stares. And I realized we're not teaching this to people in universities, not high schools, not college, often non-professional development. And so I wound up helping to start a class at MIT where we've been teaching this for 20 years and recently took a lot of that content and some additional stuff that I do and put it into a book, The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. And it's got three sections. The first is on careers, career planning, how to work effectively, like managing your manager, and how to interview. Now, we all know how to interview as candidates, but many of us are involved in hiring others. So I talk about that. Then the second section, as you noted, leadership and management. And the third section has fundamental skills like communication, networking, negotiations, and ethics. And that's good. So why do you think that people overlook teaching those kind of skills to people so they can know what they do, you know, when they try to build their business or interview other people or have leadership? So why do you feel like they overlook that stuff to teach other people? Yeah, great question. It's not because they don't know it, right? How many of us have heard networking is really important? I must have heard that dozens of times growing up from teachers, professors. Everyone says this, if it's so important, why did no one actually teach it to us? And the reason has to do with the history of our education system. Our secondary school, so high school here in the U.S., it came out of trying to just create general skills to fit into society. So the classic reading, writing, arithmetic. Can you function as an adult? Well, networking and leadership wasn't critical. We're just working on the basics here, just enough so we could get you into a basic job, which back then used to be farming or manufacturing. And of course it's advanced a little, but that's really the goal of high school education. Now college education, we try to teach you more but colleges are run by professors. And now I, I like professors, I work with them, but here's right, the downside right. of professors. The accounting department is run by people who have PhDs in accounting, the computer science department, PhDs who have degrees in computer science. And so what they're doing is they're saying, if you want an accounting degree or a marketing degree, you have to prove to us, you know, a certain amount of knowledge in our discipline. Well, how do you prove that? Well, you take a certain number of, say, marketing classes. Okay, you've had enough classes. You seem to know enough about marketing. We're going to credential you as a marketer. Here's your bachelor's in marketing. 
And yes, colleges now throw in, oh, you have a general requirement, take some math, some history, whatever. But really, they're just saying you have knowledge in this discipline. That's very different than you're going to be an effective business owner or worker in that field. Right, right. That is a very different, you know, because they're not really teaching them. They only give them the basics, you know, and we need to know more than the basics, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about Mm. even at more advanced degrees, think about lawyers. How do you know someone's a lawyer? Well, they've gone to law school and they got a degree and they passed the bar, which just says, I know what the law is. Doesn't mean they're competent. Doesn't mean they're easy to deal with. Doesn't mean they're good at getting you, you know, good settlements or it just means they understand what the law is. That's all it's able to test. And so most of our credentialing systems are based around awareness of knowledge. But these skills like leadership and negotiation, it's not so much knowledge as is a skill set that's applied independent of whatever our discipline is. Right. So when people read your book, what do you want them to to learn and take away from from your book? Great question. There's a a few different things. So first is recognizing the importance of these skills. And we can talk about that in a moment. So understanding why it's important to learn these skills. Second, with each of these skills, there's a simple mental shift. If you just reframe how you look at, all of a sudden you start to notice more opportunities and possibilities. And that's going to help you continue to develop the skills and to apply them in new ways and more often. And then third, once you get that, there's a whole bunch of actual tips and advice for here's how to execute on, here's how to be a better leader, here's how to be a better communicator. So those are the three elements of the book. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when they also read your book, would there be any surprises that like, oh, wow, I didn't know that? I would say some of it is obvious. So let's take networking, a common skill. It's not surprising. Everybody. It's not surprising that I say networking is important. Right. There. <laughs> On the other hand, things that people don't think about. So let's take business cards. Most people, even uh-huh. salespeople I know, They have a stack of business cards. They get it when they join their company and it sits there on their desk and no one actually carries business cards with them. I meet so many people. Oh, yeah, I don't have cards. So one of the things I recommend is so I keep a stack of cards by my door and then I always have cards in every pocket. I have some in my wallet, women in their purses. I have it in my sports coats. I have it in my suits. I have some in my jackets and coats, in my luggage, in my laptop bag. I always have business cards on me. And this way, when I'm at an event, I know I can give someone a business card. Now it's true, not everyone likes business cards. It's probably gonna get lost. But business card, it costs you what? Three cents, four cents? Three cents, yeah. In a whole like a hundred, if you like what, $14 or something? Depends on where you go, yeah. And if that business card gets you a new client, gets you a new job, I will buy four cent lottery tickets all day long. And most of us, (laughs) when you think of it that way, like, oh, of course. Yeah. And, you know, I have these business cards. I should give it out. But we don't think about actually doing it. So there are there are things like that where once they're written out, it's not a true shock, but it's also not something you normally think about. Right. And also, also, um, I was going to say, you said something about business cards and you say you take them everywhere you go. Like you have them in your luggage, have them in your pocket, your wallet and everywhere. I feel like sometimes when people um, don't have business cards, I don't think that's very professional. 
you know, I feel like that they're not taking it as, I don't know, like um, the, the business. Because when you say I'm out of business cards and they say it's a, it's a client, like you said, you don't know who you're going to get or who you want to deal, have business with you. I've, I truly believe you should always have your business cards. Exactly. It shows that you're organized. And certainly if you're at some big event and you run out on the spot, it's understandable, right? We can't always carry 50. Right, right. Yeah. You might know if I'm, for example, doing a talk, I know bring extra business cards with me. But this is why it's in my laptop bag and my coats and my suitcase. If I'm off at some conference and I run out one day, okay, well, I know I have more sing in the hotel room or I've got more in my coat in the coat check as a, as a backup. And yes, right. we can we can exchange information electronically. I still like that physical business card. There's something about it that it feels real and concrete. In certain cultures, it is preferred. And there's a serendipity that a week later, a month later, I've had people years later say, oh, I found your business card. And that reestablishes the, the communications. Right. So what inspired you to do the career that you're um, doing now? Like, what made you feel like this is what I want to do? So my primary career, I think myself having two, my primary career is I work as a CTO. And right now, mm-hmm. a fractional CTO in order to have some time to promote the book that just came out. I'm doing mm-hmm. consulting work. I've always loved technology. And so I got mm-hmm. into software. But one of the things I realized early on, as much as I love software, as much as I love building, I really enjoyed the challenges that come with management because when solving software problems, it's an engineering challenge and I've been trained how to do that. But when you solve people problems, there's no one solution. There's no simple, here's the formula on how to manage a team. It's always, well, you should do this unless there's an exception to every rule. There's a uniqueness to every situation. And so we have our rules and guidelines. But then we also have these edge cases and exceptions. And I like that challenge. So early in my career, I said, I want to learn to do that. And I knew if I want to be the CTO, the chief technology officer, I couldn't simply be the best programmer because technical skills were needed, but I needed these other skills. And I had to set out and learn them for myself. That's awesome. So I know that you also started the undergrad um, practice opportunities program. So can you tell us what that is? So when I was a CTO and I was interviewing people, as I mentioned before, I'd ask them questions and they could right. give me a technical answer, but not these other issues. So I realized because I learned on my own, but not everyone does, I had to train up my team. And this is going back 20 some years. So there weren't a lot of resources. And I began to develop programs I mean, educational programs, not software, to help train up my team. And at the same time, MIT was finding the same issue. We've gotten a lot of feedback from companies that hire our students. And they're saying, look, Uh they're really smart, but they are missing these communication and teamwork and negotiation skills. We wish they had it. And this, by the way, is not just for MIT students. Colleges across the country have gotten similar feedback. This is what corporate America wants from everyone. So Uh we started this program at MIT and I had reached out to them when I heard they were doing it. I said, look, I've been working on this. Can I help? And they said, oh yes, please. We'd love your perspective. So I helped develop some of the course. And then I said, why don't you come help teach it? And now I've been teaching there for over 20 years. Oh, wow. You just gave, um, this went in just to develop something and then now you're a teacher. That was crazy. So on your bio, I was reading your bio and it says, 
you track down criminals and terrorists. So in a dark web. So what did that mean? My background within technology is cybersecurity. I, I did my graduate work in cryptography. That's secret codes. It's what to make sure you can send your, your password and your bank information safely. But other aspects are identity. And this particular case, I was working with a company and we were doing effectively intelligence gathering. So the dark web, it's a different part of the internet. And it's not that it's inherently bad. It's kind of like a dark alley. Dark alleys aren't bad, but if you're going to be doing bad <laughs> things, you're probably doing them in the dark alley and not in the middle of the brightly right. lit street. <laughs> yeah. There's a yeah. lot of bad things that happen on the dark web. Terrorists are there, cyber criminals are there. There's like illicit Craigslist where you can go buy illegal things. And at this company, we built a system to gather information on the people and operations going on. And that was then sold to various government agencies and corporate clients who would use the information for their own security purposes. Wow. So what is your next project? What do you have going on next? So right now I'm doing fractional consulting. So I'm helping a couple different companies. I'm doing this because I can also take some time for myself to promote a book. If anyone out there is thinking mm -hmm. of doing a book, keep in mind all the time you put into writing and editing and creating the book, you're going to put just as much time into marketing the book. And so at this point, I'm now seeing how it does. And certainly we're, we've been, we sold out all our first print uh, within two weeks. We're on our second print already. But just seeing what kind of response I get, are there topics where people said, this is great, but I have questions about something else. And that might direct me towards my second book seeing what happens once we go back to having uh, in-person events about getting back to doing right. more events and speaking. So I'm, I'm in a let's wait and see how this does before I figure out what my next steps are. I mean, the way everything is going and the way the book sounds, I think that everybody needs leadership and management and, um, you know, careers and they need to know what's really going on. So I think your book is going to be hot and it's going to be a great sale well, because some people don't know what to do, you know, and reading your book, you know, you have a career tool book and it's definitely giving you steps of what you can do and what you shouldn't do. Well, let's let's take an example. Thank you for that. So let's look at a specific example of how this can be helpful. Take negotiations. Mm -hmm. Now, we all are aware of what negotiations are. Imagine the following right. situation. You're 30 years old. You go in for some job. And they give you a job. They say, we're going to pay you $60,000 a year. Say, so, you know what? I learned a little about negotiating. So I'm going to go and try to negotiate, do a little better. And you negotiate and get mm -hmm. $61,000 instead of sixty. Okay, that's, that's mm -hmm. not huge. We can all imagine. That seems reasonable. Now, what happens if you just sit at this job for the next 30 years until you retire? Well, you made $1,000 more for 30 years. That one little negotiation just got you $30,000, right? Couple minutes of work, small negotiation, massive return, five-figure return. But of course, you're right. saying, well, that's not realistic. No one sits in a job for 30 years. And you're right. You're going to take other jobs and you're going to negotiate those. You're going to get promotions or just negotiate a raise. And if you can learn to do a little better, if you can just go from that 60 to 61, or even, hey, how do I get maybe 62,000? How do I learn these techniques to do a little better? 
not being the world-class negotiator, not being top of the field, but just being a little better, this can add mm -hmm. tens of thousands of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to your lifetime earnings. Isn't that worth investing in an online course or reading a book or listening to some podcasts to learn these skills? It's a massive return on investment. It is. It is because you're learning. Yeah. Oh my God. That's awesome. So how are you doing with um, the pandemic? Everything's okay. Seem like your business is going well. Um, are you staying safe? Is um, things still going good for you uh, on the business and the personal? Yeah. So I've been, thank you for asking. I've been safe. Thankfully, my parents just got their second shot of the vaccine. My brother just got his first shot. I'm still waiting to get mine, but uh, I know I'm a mm -hmm. little given where I am a little further down the list and I don't mind waiting. So from a business perspective, it's been fine working in technology. A lot of what we do is virtual. And for books, quite honestly, I was looking forward to you know, flying around the country to do a book tour. And I'm a little sad that yeah. I don't meet people in person. Aww. But on the other hand, Aww. you know, if I had to fly in to sit down with you in a studio face to face and then go fly to another place to be in a studio and then fly to this city to do a book signing in another, it's a lot of time and effort to crisscross the country. Yes. So it, it has got to yes. a little easier to do it from home. I'd say on the on the personal side, I do definitely miss. I used to host a lot of parties. I used to have people over often used to date a lot more that's all been, been a little bit curtailed but hopefully that's going to start to change in the next few months yeah it will you can go out and mingle and you know and um have a good time but you know i miss people too and you know hopefully everything you know clears up in a couple months and we can go out and talk to and travel and do what we want to do and see people and be able to have parties I need to come to one of your parties because I. <laughs> yeah, I was. So I was. I was sad. Uh -huh. I I've been doing a Halloween party for 23 years. This past fall was going to be uh -huh. year 24, but obviously it didn't uh -huh. happen. So I was a little sad about that. I know you was. I know you was ready to get into your costume, and be like, "Who was you going to be for your Halloween costume?" Well, this year I did go to. A friend of mine, even though I'm in the, the city, a friend of mine has a backyard area. So she had 10 of us. Yep. We were all being safe and wore masks and stay outside. Yep. So I dressed as the invisible man. I figured my mouth was going to be covered <laughs> anyway. Like, what is that? And then right. I did a virtual Halloween party with some friends as well. Awesome. Awesome. So if anyone wants to reach out to you or find your book or want to just you know, um, you know, just email you or, you know, try to get some more information. How can they find you? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can learn about where to get the book, Amazon, Barnes and Noble's local bookstores. You can follow me on social media or get in touch. There's also a whole bunch of free resources that I've linked from the website, other books, other websites that are free that can help keep you the books aren't free but their websites are but they can help continue to develop you and you can also get links to the app which is in both the android and apple stores the app takes a lot of the tips in the book it puts it to an app that you carry in your pocket and this does two things first when you read a book like this you forget it all three weeks later 
I know I do. I'm not offended if you forget after reading mine. <laughs> the app right. is like a daily affirmation app. It just automatically pops up a little reminder of one of the tips each day. And just look and go, oh, right, Mark said do this. Okay, and then swipe it away. So just a couple seconds a day, but it reinforces that learning so it stays top of mind. Or the other thing about books like this is that you say, oh, here's a great negotiation tip, but you're not carrying the book in when you're doing a negotiation. So you've got the app, you've got all the tips, you can open it up and say, let me just do a crash course and refresh on all the tips Mark has on negotiations right before you walk into that meeting. So you can get the app and book and other things all from my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. You are awesome. You got it all together, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> you got it all together. Oh my God. Oh, I do have one question for you though Please. before we go. I know you said your website. The question is, you know how some people is not technology savvy. So I, I can see that technology is taking over right now. So what do people need to do to transition to technology? Because you know, some people like to do the old school thing, write down everything and but right now, all that is going away because the technology is taking over. So how do you feel about, I know you love technology, but how do people switch over to technology? I will say I'm actually something of a Luddite, right? Someone who's not necessarily a fan of technology because I do see technology mm -hmm. gets overused. I remember in one of my companies, a guy said, Hey, one of the guys I'm trying to manage, he would do these projects and I want to kind of keep track of this and how do I share information with him and came up with this complicated thing. I said, well, why don't you just put up a whiteboard and each day, you know, write the note on the whiteboard and then he can kind of check it off. I said, oh yeah, that, right. that works. So we could have spent, you know, a month coding up some complicated software or we could have bought a $20 whiteboard. And technology can right. be overused. But if you're in a field and you feel, boy, I, I feel like I'm getting left behind. And it's okay if you don't love technology, mm -hmm. but you feel like, oh, I'm not using it and others are. First, talk to people in your field. It can be overwhelming to think, okay, I've got this new email system and now there's all these Google Doc things and then there's social media and TikTok and Clubhouse and oh, what's the next thing and how do I keep track of this all? Talk to people in your field and say, tell me about the technology you use because you don't need all 10,000 tools. You need two, three, maybe four tools that are common in your industry, in your field. Ask about that, and then you can go read up blog posts, read up websites, listen to great podcasts, and learn about that. And you can focus your attention just on the tools that are going to be important for what you do, and you can ignore everything else that might not be so relevant. Awesome. Awesome. I just want to tell you, Mark, you has been you have been very awesome up here, uh, very informative to everybody. And I just want you to keep doing what you do and stay safe. And thank you. Thank you for being on my podcast. And I'm I'm, I'm super happy. Thank, thank you to you. you and your listeners for giving me some of your time. You're welcome. Thank you.